Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Suzanne Blumson. Steve Bannon was one of the most influential figures in Donald Trump's presidential campaign. He turned the Breitbart News website into a single platform for white supremacists, pro-lifers, neo-Nazis and climate change deniers. He has now moved to Europe. Neville Hawker discusses what he's doing there with Hannah Roberts, who met him recently in Italy. I saw the election results over the weekend uh, here in Italy. I just think there's real, and you saw the election results the other night in the Netherlands, I just think there's real momentum on the populist, nationalist, sovereignty movement. I think people are coming to this cause, and I think it's going to have tremendous support. Also, it's the center of the universe because of really the rise of Salvini and what Salvini means for Europe. We've just heard Steve Bannon at a recent press conference in which he proclaimed Italy to be the centre of the political universe and hailed the rise of Matteo Salvini, Deputy Prime Minister and head of the country's far-right league. Hannah, what has Mr Bannon done since he was ousted from his position as White House Chief Strategist in 2017? And why has he come to Europe? Well, when he was unceremoniously booted out of the White House after giving a series of interviews that went down badly with Donald Trump, he was also ousted from Breitbart News. And since then, he's turned his attention to Europe, primarily setting up what he calls a club for populist nationalist parties called The Movement in Brussels, which he announced would offer kind of support and polling and data targeting and all his sort of specialist arts in the run-up to the European Parliament elections. But it's since turned out that some of this help would actually be illegal in some European states because of electoral laws about foreign contributions. So he's quite limited in what he can do. He has certainly managed to have meetings with some far-right leaders from the AFD, the National Rally in France and some others. But a number of European right-wing parties, such as in Sweden and Finland, are choosing to keep him at arm's length. And there's also the element that some of them, such as you know, Victor Orban, he's a very successful, highly professional politician. He probably doesn't need Bannon. So it's not clear that Bannon can transfer the arts that he used to help get Donald Trump elected to Europe then? It's not clear because in Europe we have a slightly different ideology. Bannon's ideology goes very much back to the, the populist party of the 1890s in America. And he's tied himself quite closely with conservative Catholic views the pro-lifers and stuff. And in Europe, the far right can be slightly more secular. Do you think it's a coherent ideology? Does he think it's a coherent ideology? It does go back quite a long way to this populist People's Party in the US who were anti-establishment. They were not in favour of any party. It was basically tenant farmers who had conservative religious views, perhaps, but at the same time, rebellious, libertarian views when it came to the state. The bottom line of that populist party then would be leave us alone to pursue our conservative beliefs. Yeah, that sounds like that would be a very accurate sum up in my view. You met Mr Bannon at an ancient monastery in the mountains of Anagni, south of Rome. What was he doing there? Well, in Italy, he's arguably had the most success with his European project. He's met with important politicians like Matteo Salvini, the deputy prime minister, and Giorgio Meloni of the far-right Brothers of Italy party. And more broadly, his message of ultra-conservative pro-life policies has found favour with right-wing Catholics in Italy, including some high-ranking members of the church who have set themselves in opposition to Pope Francis on issues like immigration, gay rights, and what they perceive as his socialist leanings. 
So, of course, Bannon shares these views and has teamed up with some of them from one ultra-Catholic lobbying group, the Dignitas Humanitae Institute, to start what he claims will be an academy for populists and nationalists in this ancient monastery south of Rome. So what exactly would that school for populists teach and who would be the pupils? Well, if it ever opens, Bannon says it will be called the Academy for the Judeo-Christian West and he hopes it will offer a master's programme as the European campus of a US Catholic university. And that on the syllabus would be economics, politics, culture, history, church history and finance. One imagines with the kind of Catholic bent and he says there would also be a leadership element training future leaders in how to manage people, public speaking and practical skills for communications and politics, how to run political campaigns, social media. How much will it cost pupils to do this course? Bannon projects it would cost forty or 50000 US dollars. He says that's about half of a US master's, which could be subsidised by offering online courses as well, if there really is that huge demand for this kind of teaching. And he hopes that this academy could produce, at a younger age, leaders similar to the ones that we've already got in the far right in Europe, like Marion Marichal, Matteo Salvini, Victor Orban, Marianne Le Pen, all names that he dropped. So he thinks he could sort of cultivate the next generation of such leaders at a younger age? Yeah, that's exactly the plan. He often sort of sets himself up as a George Soros of the right. He would like to create a network of NGOs, a university different political groups that are all sort of building up this network of connections, what he calls a cadre. Let's hear what Bannon said about the longer-term aims of the academy. You know, 100 students, 20 to 25 faculty, you know, a pretty robust place where people are learning, and you're building a cadre, and people are back in the media business, they're back in political campaigns, they're serving at junior ministers in government, and you're starting to build up a network. Salvini, for years, laboured in the vineyards of the Northern League as a mid-level guy that maybe you could pull out and see a Salvini earlier. I think that's what one of the things that What's Soros... What's the equivalent of that? He's got Central European University. He's got all the faculty positions. I'm a big admirer. I don't agree with Soros' ideology. I'm a huge admirer of how Soros has gotten things done. So while the likes of Orban may not like Soros, Soros has set an example for how you organise. Yeah, Bannon doesn't have Soros' vast financial resources, but he very much sees him as the model for what the right should be doing. What's the history of this particular building in Ananyi? This building is an ancient monastery that goes back to the 1200s, and it's buried in forested mountains on a pilgrimage trail, the Trail of St. Benedict, about 50 miles from Rome in a kind of not very fashionable area. And it's quite magnificent in scale, quite overwhelming and sort of perfect for Instagram, one imagines, but also inside very abandoned and in need of quite a lot of restoration work. So Bannon got together with this lobbying group, Dignitas Humanae Institute, who won a tender to manage this building for the next 19 years. And this group, they have to pay 100,000 euros in rent every year, but this can be spent on restoration. Who are they paying that rent to? They would be paying it to the Ministry of Culture, who are responsible for the building. And the Ministry of Culture has signed off on this finishing school for populists then, has it? They did sign off on it last year, but recently there has been a few questions about the whole tender process and whether this lobbying group did represent themselves accurately. The Italian TV show Report has raised questions this week about whether in fact they were even qualified to take part in the tender because they didn't have official legal status at the time.
And there's also questions about whether they really explained that they were going to create this sort of populist academy. Even if it gets over these legal hurdles, it's going to come in for a lot of opposition from locals, I gather. What have the locals got against it? And do you think they have any realistic chance of stopping it? Uh, Well, yeah, I met some of these local opponents and some of them oppose the project because of the history of the monastery as a spiritual place and also as a centre for science and learning. There's a huge library there full of ancient books and the monks grew a lot of medicinal herbs and had the only pharmacy for miles and miles, whereas Bannon is associated with anti-science climate change denial and Novax campaigners. But mainly the opposition is there because of the kind of people that locals are worried this monastery might attract. And they say that they don't want their spiritual beacon to become the centre of the outright in Europe. They see that their home could become part of an ideological struggle that's going on globally between liberals and reactionaries. Some people are also worried about the kind of rhetoric that you get from right-wing leaders in Europe at the moment and that it could even provoke violence. One of the protests took part the day after the New Zealand massacre in the mosque and it reminded locals in Italy of a mass shooting last year in the run-up to the general election where nine or ten black people were shot in a racially motivated shooting. What's Bannon's response to people who accuse him of fostering the return of fascism in Italy? Bannon dismisses those kinds of accusations. He says he's against fascism because fascism means a totalitarian state and he is in favour of a small state. But then Bannon is also trying to offer his support and mentorship to groups that arguably have some fascist leanings, such as in Hungary and Austria. And even in Italy, the groups that he's trying to support, the right-wing league, They are definitely the focus of votes from neo-fascist parties in Italy. But he would primarily see himself as a libertarian, I guess. Exactly, yeah. He thinks that the state should get out of people's lives. What do expert observers and academics at existing institutions make of Mr Bannon's scheme? Well, some of them are pretty sceptical. For example, Duncan MacDonald, who's a professor at Griffith University, he says this kind of idea that Bannon is some sort of mentor or pied piper of Europe's far-right parties has been rather overplayed. Uh, His ideology has been around in Europe for decades. This whole idea about the Judeo-Christian West has been used a lot in the Netherlands, for example. He said um, Bannon's trying to invent aqua calda, or hot water, as they say in Italy. Bannon is hoping to foster international cooperation between nationalists. But Jan Werner Muller, who is a professor of political science at Princeton University, points out that you know, these nationalist leaders already cooperate together in the European Parliament. They're not ashamed to be seen together, so there's nothing for Bannon to put together. It's very early days for Mr Bannon's proposed academy, and he's met legal obstacles, he's meeting popular protests locally. What chance of success do you think he has? Well, Bannon is the kind of guy who projects a sort of confidence, and he thinks, you know, he's going to run a pilot programme in the autumn of this year and start by next year and claims to have hundreds of applications already. But I think we have to take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. At the moment, he admits that he's put in all the money himself, so he still needs to find serious financial backing. There are various legal challenges as to whether the tender is really legal in Italy. The Five Star Culture Ministry say they're looking into withdrawing the concession, but it remains to be seen if they have deviated from the rules at all. And in Italy, these kinds of battles, if they go to court, can drag on for years. So <laughs> I think we could be watching this space for quite a long time. He's got a long way to go yet, then. He's got a way to go yet. 
That was Neville Hawcock talking to Hannah Roberts in Rome. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, you can find our latest subscription offers at ft.com slash offer. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.